Pearl Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. This morning marks the first Sunday in Advent. In the Northern Hemisphere, the church calendar begins in the darkest days of the year, marked by this special season. The season of Advent encompasses the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and during this time, marked by longing, we intentionally cultivate space for the light of Christ in the midst of darkness. The season of Advent is a time of preparation that directs our hearts and minds to treasure up and ponder all that is possible in Christ. With this in mind, today we begin a new sermon series titled, The Joyful Mysteries. The Joyful Mysteries refer to a collection of meditations found in the rosary. Now, I'm not sure what kind of relationship you have with the rosary. Uh, If you've spent your entire life in the Protestant church, then it's most likely that you have no relationship at all with the rosary. And up until about two years ago, that's been my story. Uh, Until in therapy, I realized that while I had intellectually begun to engage the divine feminine, my primary construct that just came to me through my upbringing, environments, Christian tradition, was the divine masculine. Our Father who art in heaven. And so in therapy, uh, my therapist encouraged me to consider beginning some regular practices that helped me to begin embodying engagement with the divine feminine. And I came up with a couple practices. One was, uh, is praying to my mom. Uh, not really praying to her. I mean, she passed several years ago from cancer, so I, I guess I could pray to her somewhere out there. But it's more like praying to the divine, but holding my mom in my mind's eye. And I've found that over time, as I've prayed to the divine and tried to see my mom, that I could see the divine smiling at me, like my mom used to smile at me. There are these moments when I pray, and I feel as though I can actually uh, feel the touch of my mom's cheek on my cheek, and she complains about my beard. (laughs) (laughs) Other times I feel like I can feel her arms wrapped around me. And I've begun through that practice to experience the divine feminine in ways that have been very nurturing and healing and good for me. And then a second practice that I've begun is the rosary. And I have really loved the rosary. I mean, it has all kinds of prayers. Some of the wording is very archaic, but it's also very tactile. It's a real helpful mindfulness practice for me. And there are two prayers in particular that are prayed directly to Mary as our advocate. The first is the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, mother of God, pray for us. And then I put the word children in there. Pray for us children now and at the hour of our death. And praying that day after day after day after day has had an impact on my engagement with the divine as feminine. 
As I returned to the rosary on a daily basis, I found the joyful mysteries. Those are practiced on Saturdays and Mondays. Saturdays and Mondays, so they bookend Sunday. I found the joyful mysteries to be most helpful for me. I've spoken for many years on Sunday mornings, and you'd think I would get used to it, but I'll tell you what, and you can ask Jen. She will give a hearty amen for this. I never sleep well on Saturday nights. (laughs) I never sleep well. I toss and turn and roll and move, and my mind is just spinning, and that's just how it goes. It's just something I've come to expect as opposed to trying to change myself. It's just I receive it. Uh, And then Sunday night, oh, I sleep so good on Sunday night. But I wake up Monday down, low, sad. It's like a weird thing standing up and trying to say something. But you know, I'm not actually trying to say something. I feel like there's something more sacred that happens in this moment. Like, yes, I'm, I'm speaking, but there's this thing here, like these ideas that we gather around together and we have a moment together. That's, that's what's happening. And it's really important. I've found this space together to think and hold an idea together in our hearts together, especially after all of the fragmentation throughout COVID to be especially sacred in in my own life. So Saturdays are hard, Mondays are depressing, and so that's what it's like. And I found the joyful mysteries to just really become something that has helped to hold me in this creative process that is the sermon. Over time, I began to notice a divine pattern of creativity in the five meditations of the joyful mystery. Uh, The first is the Annunciation. The divine visits us and declares, I want to fill you with life that you should give birth to in the world. And then there's the Visitation, where Mary goes and visits her relative Elizabeth. You see, once we take hold of the things that the divine gives us, we're no longer comparing ourselves to others or feeling like others have gifts and we don't. We're able to celebrate that which God gives to others. And then there's the nativity. It's like the work, right? The labor to bring something forth. And then the presentation of Jesus in the temple. Here you go, God. I give this thing to you. I surrender it. And then there's the finding of Jesus in the temple, which is to say, it's no longer mine. It's out in the world. It can be, people can treat it how they want to. I'm individuated from it. And so I practice this on Saturdays and Mondays, Saturdays and Mondays, and it's been really helpful for me in this, pro- this uh, process of trying to share a sermon or an idea with this community. Talking about this with Ben back in July when we map out our sermon series for the year, we decided to offer the Joyful Mysteries as a sermon series during the season of Advent and Christmas. I'm really excited about it. In my church experience, Advent and Christmas are primarily dealt with historically. And there's certainly goodness to be found in a historical perspective. Oh, but, but history can also wreck a good story, can't it? I mean, stories have plots that capture us. Stories have characters whose experiences connect with us. And so my hope for these seasons of Advent and Christmas is for us to be captured by and connected to Mary. Mary's experience with a divine pattern of creativity into which I believe every person is invited. In the beginning, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see God as a creator. God fashioning life out of chaos. In those same chapters, we see God take on the form of a gardener. How's that for an image of the divine? We see these words in the beginning of Genesis, God grew every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good 
for food. God is gardener. And in those same chapters, we see God invite Adam and Eve, Hebrew words for man and woman. We see God invite humankind into this divine work, the work of creating and gardening. And of course, gardening is creating. It's choosing land and planting seed and nurturing tender shoots and saplings as it all grows up into the fullness of life. And so I guess you could say that in the beginning, humans were invited by the divine to create. To create. The word create simply means to bring something into existence. And while the word gardener is certainly one kind of creating, I found the word artist to be more appropriate because an artist is a person who creates. Creates what? Well, anything, I think. A painting, a drawing, a sculpture, a dance, a song, a business, a graph, a meal, a relationship, a child, a day, a life. This is what we humans do. We take the raw materials that are all around us and we shape them into stuff. (laughs) Art. Art is the expression or application of creative skill. Art is the branch of creative activity. And art, you see, is what fills our lives. It is. Now, we humans have many titles for our lives, such as employee or employer, partner or single, mom or dad, teacher or student. And yet, I think there's a more fundamental title for our lives, which is artist. For employees and employers, partners and singles, moms and dads, teachers and students are, in a very real way, busy with all kinds of creative activity, which is to say, busy with art. And so you see, you are an artist and your life is a canvas. The divine has set you down here in time and space and invited you to create. That's what your life is. Your life is a creative expression curated by you. With this in mind, our Advent and Christmas sermon series, The Joyful Mysteries, intends to explore a pattern of creativity in the life of Mary. And it's our sincere hope that by taking time to explore this pattern of creativity that we might engage our creative expressions with more joyful intention. That's what we're hoping for during the season of Advent. In the rosary, the first meditation in the Joyful Mysteries is called the Annunciation. Annunciation simply means the announcement of something. You could probably call it the announcement of anything. And that's what we heard in this morning's New Testament reading from Luke chapter 1, an Annunciation. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. And Gabriel said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. That's the Annunciation, a child. The divine sends an angel to announce a creative expression in the life of Mary, a child. In the Greek, the word for angel is agalos, which simply translates messenger. And so the divine sends a messenger to announce a new creative expression of life, through the very body of Mary. I'd like to pause here to notice the genesis of creative expression, which is the divine sends a messenger. Of course, Mary's messenger had a name, Gabriel, but I think there are other names for these messages. I think a very uh, foundational name is just 
idea. There you are just sitting on your couch, looking out your window, holding your mug of tea, just letting your mind wander, and all of a sudden you have an idea, right? Bake a loaf of bread, write a poem, read that book, have that conversation with your child or your partner or your boss. Whittle down that budget, plan that trip. It doesn't really matter what the idea is at this point. For now, I'm just trying to highlight that we all have ideas about new creative expressions for our particular lives. And one way to think about these ideas is as fleeting thoughts, right? Fleeting thoughts, they just come and go, which I think is how we often interact with them. But there's another way to think about these fleeting thoughts, which is divine messages, I mean, psychoanalysts would have a heyday analyzing how and why a particular idea rise to the surface, and they may even be able to make some really interesting connections about why an idea rose when it did. But even then, after all of the analysis, the way in which an idea rises up in our conscience, in our consciousness, is ultimately mystery, utter mystery. And so maybe it's not Gabriel bringing you an idea, but Perhaps it's something more sublime than the firing of neurons based on explainable stimuli. Perhaps the idea that rises to the surface of your consciousness is, in a very real way, annunciation sent by the divine. And I think we religious people should at least be open to this possibility. Like, at least open to the possibility. I mean, every Advent, we recall and celebrate and sing about Mary's Annunciation. God gives Mary a message. But throughout our scriptures, God is making Annunciations all of the time, right? Not just through angels, but through prophets and mules and silence and storms and Jesus and spirit and God's very own self. There is certainly more than just one Annunciation, for we humans are visited by ideas all of the time. This makes me think about expectation. About this, we religious people could learn a lot from the poets. I don't know about you, but it seems like every book of poetry that I read, there's at least one poem that's like looking for, or hoping for, or begging for the angel, the messenger. Poets often call this the muse. Begging the muse to come, to make an appearance. Uh, here's one by William Stafford, 1975 Poet Laureate of Oregon, longtime professor at Lewis and Clark. It reads, I glanced at her and took my glasses off. They were singing. They buzzed like a locust on the coffee table and then ceased. Her voice bellowed forth and the sunlight bent. I felt the ceiling arch and knew that nails up there took a new grip on whatever they touched. I am your own way of looking at things, she said. When you allow me to live with you, every glance at the world around you will be a sort of salvation. And I took her hand. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? To live with the expectation that the divine sends us, you and me, personal, individual, and unique annunciations. Such expectation impregnates every moment with possibility. The possibility that the divine is inviting us to create something with our very own lives today. And this makes me think of availability. <laughs> because if we're moving too fast, if our days are too full, the muse will be missed. 
Uh, many of you know that during my last sabbatical, I took a nine-day solo road trip uh, down to the Redwoods, over to Monterey, into La Jolla, up into Joshua Tree, out to Moab, through the Grand Canyon, Utah, all the way home. It was beautiful. But those first few days, I was just buzzing. I mean, my life has been so busy with school and family and kids and church and friends and hobbies. It was like the first couple days, all I felt was fear and buzzing. That's like all that I felt, fear and buzzing, fear and buzzing. But about that fourth, fifth day, just being by myself, grinding my coffee beans, boiling the water, looking out over the forest, things started to open up in me. And I started to have ideas like I used to have when I was a child. I found that space created opportunity for me to hear things from the muse. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that we all need a nine-day solo road trip. Actually, I am. <laughs> you all should take a nine-day solo road trip. But, but even when you're here, right, like in the grind, it is possible for us to cultivate pace and intention which makes us more available to the enunciations that come our way. A quiet morning, a mindful drive to work, a 10-minute walk, choosing to have one less meeting, departing for that next thing with just a little more space, pursuing uh, at the end of day a time to reflect on how the day went, keeping a small notebook and pen in our pocket to write something down, there are many ways to increase our availability to the divine enunciations that come. And if we were to join with Mary and the poets in expectation, expectation for the divine ideas that are being sent our way, then perhaps we'd be more willing to make some adjustments to our too fast and too full lives that keep us from intentional space to hear. Of course, it's up to you uh, what you do with these divine enunciations. I want to be really clear about this. You have agency. I mean, consider Mary. She didn't just accept the enunciation that came to her rightfully. She had some questions, and so should we. Questions like, does this enunciation accord with the life that I'm feeling called to right now? Perhaps this is something that I should return to at another time. Or does this enunciation fit within this moment, this day, this relationship in ways that feel timely? Perhaps it will fit better tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Or is this enunciation from the divine or was it just too many potato chips before bed, right? Like, <laughs> perhaps it's best to sit with this idea for a while to see if it continues to rise up inside of me as being something that I should pursue. Consideration is good. And like a muscle, our ability to thoughtfully consider these divine invitations slowly grows as we begin to live out our lives within this pattern of creativity. For if we begin to see ourselves as artists curating life, then like the poet, we begin to expect the muse, the spirit, the divine to speak. And this expectation can become so prominent in our hearts that we choose to adjust our pace we choose to slow our lives in order to make intentional space to listen. And when we do, when we listen, when we hear that quiet voice or trumpet blare, when we feel that gentle tug or firm grasp, when we know that an idea has come to us from the very mouth of God, well, then we thoughtfully consider. Not now, maybe later, too many potato chips 
Oh, but when it's right, like when it's right, like when the bread, the poem, the book, the conversation, the move, the change, the work, the thing, when the thing sits well inside of us, when you know that you know, albeit with fear and trepidation, because any new thing has a cost, but you know. Well, it's then that we join with Mary and surrender. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I think surrender is undervalued for we adults. I mean, life is filled with so many disappointments, right? Life is filled with so many scary stories. And each of us has experienced so much pain and sorrow and trauma. So as we age, I think we be, it becomes really easy for us to seize up, to close up, clenched jaw, tightened fists. And if we're really honest about that posture in life, we will recognize that that takes a lot of energy to live like that. It's like being cold all of the time, you know, and you shiver. That's a lot of energy. But surrender, to unclench, to open wide, to whisper yes, well, that is something else altogether. Surrender rises from a very different way of seeing ourselves in the world, creators. It's grounded in the belief that divine messages come our way. There's something for me to make with my life today. And with agency to consider these messages, we can choose to say yes. Yes, I will give myself to that. Yes, I will become that. Do that. I'm going to make that. Yes, angel, muse, spirit, divine, I will take your hand and in sweet surrender open myself to this creative work that I'm being invited into today. And filled in the chest, the gut, the womb with Jesus himself, we join with Mary and sing her Advent song. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for God has been mindful of me. From now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. May it be so and let us pray. Divine creator during this season of Advent as we make space for the birth of Christ, I ask that we would hear your enunciations, inviting each of us to the creative work of Christ in our own lives. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.